Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. I thank you, Lord, for loving us better than we love ourselves. I thank you for this wonderful occasion, my God, having served you in ministry for 53 years. We thank you for your great love for us in Jesus' matchless name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Oh, let me tell you. You know what? God has placed within humankind the ability to fill and to full, fulfill his dreams and goals and plans with great creativity. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule over. That is the King James says, have dominion over. God continues to talk about ruling over animals, the ability to control, manage, plan, and pursue. Verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God blessed them, verse 28, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue and control the earth. Make it useful for mankind to use it for resources, for living and prospering, for farming, for clothing, shelter. Again, it's the ability to control, manage, plan, and pursue and handle the earth with expertise, skill, and knowledge. Later, to use investigating and science to make changes in the earth and with mankind's needs. Now, verse 18 of chapter 1 is God's first unity declaration for humanity. God's statement on the unity of humankind's purpose and planning. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Or actually, the Hebrew rendering could be in the text, not good for Adam or the man or as I prefer here, a human. It's not good for humans to be alone or to work effectively alone. He says, I will make her a helper for him. It is because of this God image within and the immense natural spiritual capabilities of humankind, the kind of creatures here on planet Earth, that a human with a God dream is unstoppable. And I want you to hear that again. A human with a God dream is unstoppable. What do you mean that? What do you mean unstoppable? That means you cannot begin to keep back one who has been with God. Now, I want you to remember that as we talk about Bishop Blake and Lady May, and remember this also about you, yourself. You, with a God-given dream, are unstoppable. Now, when I say God-given dream, what, what is a God-given dream? A God dream is a God-given, God-driven, and God-glorifying dream. Ah, a God-glorifying dream. Now, let me get to my subject on today. I want to use a metaphor of a game as our outline for today. And so my subject is get in the game. My subject is get in the game. Now, this seems to be game time for humans here in the U.S. We have the football playoffs now in January. Then we have February 6th, the football Pro Bowl. And then on February 13th, the wonderful Super Bowl 56. Oh, my. And then in February, the NBA All-Star Game and events. 
And then in March, we have college basketball's March Madness. And then in the month of April, we have the NBA playoffs. And then tennis matches in January, February, and all throughout the year. Since we, or fans, are in kind of a game frenzy, I thought I'd use some of the game language for four points today. There are challenges that come when you are in competition and when you're trying to win. So I'll use four basic ideas about success and being a player participant student of the game, the contest, the competition, the challenge for success in God and in leadership and in life. Here they are. Number one, prepare for the game. Prepare for the game. Number two, bring your a game. <laughs> we'll explain that in case you don't know what that means. Bring your A game. Number three, get all in the game. Get all in the game. And last but certainly not least, finish the game and win the game. Finish the game and win the game. And remember, we said a human with a God dream is unstoppable. Let's start with number one, prepare for the game. Now, in the game of life, many of you are in that life game right now. You have to prepare financially, physically, emotionally, socially, spiritually, with a preparation of knowledge, growth, and skill. You know, and when I was a young man, when I was in high school, I was on the wrestling team. That is Olympic-type wrestling. Now, before we did any kind of learning or anything, we went and ran around the hallways, up and down the steps, 30 minutes each day for two weeks. You say, why? That was to get us in shape so we would be able to go the distance in one-to-one, hand-to-hand combat. But also, it was for those boys who just wanted to look good and wanted the girls to see them run around in the hallway. <laughs> it was to weed out those who were not serious about working hard to be on the team. <clears throat> so whether it's on a debate team or any kind of preparation, the key is very, very important. Here is a key preparation requirement idea. Be able to take a punch. Be able to take a punch. In some sports, you get hit or moved or moved out of place. You get shocked by surprise. The apostle Paul in his ministry and his hard work as an apostle said in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, the messenger of Satan to buffet me because he was a chosen vessel of God. The Greek word buffet here means to strike violently. It means to strike violently. And the tense here, we call, we call it a present tense. It means to keep on doing. He says the messenger was continually keeping me, hitting me, and striking me very hard. A championship boxer is no good if he can't take a punch. A great running back. On a football team, it's no good if he gets hit and tackled and gives up and cries, oh, somebody hit me. <laughs> a baby, before being successful in walking, must stop and fall and scrape a knee and cry and then get back up again. In the Christian life, growth is necessary, but there is no growth if there are no difficulties, no enemies, no obstacles. We can't grow without getting a punch, getting hit by a punch. Now, you, Bishop Blake, 
and likewise Lady May, or as I see as Nehemiah was, the great leader of Israel who built the wall of Jerusalem around 400 B.C. First, I want to thank Bishop Jerry Macklin for his insights on his study of Nehemiah for some points that we have here. He's an expert, actually, in Nehemiah and leadership. More recently, actually, Bishop Blake, uh, excuse me, Bishop Macklin has written a book of Nehemiah, has applied it to his church's ministry. Now, Nehemiah 2.20 says, I answered them saying, the God of heaven will give us success. The God of heaven will give us success. Now, that's important to know. Why is it important to know? Because no one else was saying that. And we, his servants, will start rebuilding. Here are some leadership points I want you to take for your own, and I want you to notice. Number one, <clears throat> Nehemiah believed something no one else believed. You see in chapters 1 and 2, therefore he inspired others as no one else inspired them. Number two, he saw what no one else saw. He saw there were needs in Jerusalem. The wall of Jerusalem was in shambles. Number three, he did what no one else would do. He fasted. He prayed. He wept in pain and concern. He gathered resources and inspired the people. The people didn't think it was possible. The people did not think it was possible to rebuild. They didn't have the resources. They didn't even have the desire to rebuild. You too must believe. You must believe that God will bring success even when others doubt. You must be able to say, I know God is with me. Let me just speak prophetically to you and say, God who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion no matter what you feel you have lost in the past. Yeah, I know. I've lost in the past, and sometime I tried to stay on that. But God will take care of what you lost in the past. God will restore to you the time that you thought was lost. The time and your years will be more glorious than your early years when you actively move from cupbearer to wall builder. Come on, can you say amen for your own prophetic future? Now, prior to his calling... <laughs> Nehemiah worked for the mighty reigning king, Artaxes, king of Persian empire. Nehemiah undoubtedly worked very hard and long to get this position. He probably felt that God has placed him in the king's palace. He was grateful that he was there when so many of his fellow countrymen and ethnic group were not so blessed. He may have even thought that this was God's final job for him. And that he would live out the rest of his life as a servant in the king's court. He felt that he would go down in history, footnote saying, Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah, was one of the only Jews to be in the Persian king's court. We Jews are so proud of him. But little did he know that God had not completed the story of his life. He's not completed the story of his life. God has another more exciting chapter in the life plan of Nehemiah. <clears throat> no, 
in the grammar of life, what is the grammar of life? You'll see it. In the grammar of life, it was not a period for Nehemiah. It was a to-be-continued comma. There was more to come. There were other chapters in his life only prepared for him or God's true ministry and professional purpose in his life. Nehemiah's life and leadership and grammar is this. It's a comma and a period. It's a comma, not a period. Am I? What a great example he would be for other Jewish boys about what he can do if you work hard and trust in God. Nehemiah, I'm sure, thought that God had written the last chapter in the story of his life. He said, this is the last chapter in my story. But Nehemiah was still willing to adjust his future life to God's ministry call. Nehemiah had to come to realize that he had a greater call, far above than the activity in a Persian court. The Persian court job was a good one, but not a great one. That is his calling from God. Remember this. Put this down in your memory bank. A good job can be the enemy of a great career. And fully living your calling is superior to merely existing at your job. <clears throat> these walls, these ruins were around for 140 years. Could God use a man to do something that no one else had done over 100 years? He was to leave his comfort zone in a Persian court for a thousand-mile journey to Jerusalem. <clears throat> Nehemiah is now preparing for success. He not only prays for success, but he plans for success. He persists during the time of preparation. Success in ministry takes prayer, planning, persistence, and a positive attitude. Prayer, persistence, and a positive attitude. You know, when Bishop Blake first uh, built the building on Crenshaw, you know, I'm sure that uh, in the North Campus, he thought this was his final ministry. He felt, you know, I've really done a good job. He and the congregation sacrificed and prayed and gave for the work of the Lord. Indeed, he thought a period. <clears throat> he thought a period. And he said, I can retire in this building. Bishop has said, and I've heard him say it a few times, the most difficult undertaking for a pastor is a <clears throat> building project. <laughs> a building project. Hmm. But this cathedral, as it was later termed, was no regular project, regular building, but a $60 million building. God says, I'm growing you in an unusual way. Build another building. And co-builder, Lady May, was also intricately involved, particularly in the internal design of this massive, beautiful, and luxurious edifice, as she was able to do also in the first North Campus. But no period yet. I'm sure that Bishop Blake and his wife and maybe even the entire young family thought, what? What you talking about, God? <laughs> and God said, that's not enough for your future or your legacy or the legacy of the West Angeles congregation that has been supporting my work. Build a complex of buildings, a center for the future, a family life center for the 21st century. This is the game. You got to listen to the coach. In this game, you got to listen to the coach, who, of course, is God. 
Just a question for you. Have you placed a period on your life's achievements, ministry, and future? Think about it. Maybe it's really a comma, not the end. Oh, age 50, 60, 70, or beyond? God is not through with you yet. Mariella Rosario is a digital media strategist and content creator for what's called HipLatina.com. It's the largest site for Latino millennials in the U.S. I heard her say in a recent interview and talked about her ministry, and this struck me, and I said, you know, I've got to pass this word on. She said, as long as you have a pulse, you have a purpose. As long as some of you out there maybe better take your pulse. Because as long as you have a pulse, you have a purpose. So as we said, prepare for the game. Now, number two, this, this is one that calls for consistency. And this is number two, bring your A game. <clears throat> bring your A game. 2 Timothy 2.15 in the New Revised Standard Version says, do your best to present yourselves to God. Colossians 3.23 and also in the New Revised Standard Version says, whatever your task, put yourselves into it as done for the Lord, as the tree of life, as this and not for people. You see that point? And not for people. Now, we know that Bishop Blake always brings his A game. <laughs> whether it's business or planning or the national convocation of the Church of God in Christ, whether our staff meetings or whether a meeting at the White House, we know also that Lady May always brings her A game. Women's Day at West Angeles, women's banquets, speaking at sessions, gems in the National Church of God in Christ convocations, her very practical books, selling her fabulous purses for the West A Family Life Project, or even in a personal conversation where she will often ask me, how's Naomi and the girls? Wow, look at that personal touch. Do your best in everything, even the small things, the things nobody sees when there's no fanfare. In the coaching world, we say the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Listen, all of those at the top of their professions always bring their A game. Let me speak to you of a Dr. Boyachi, Max Boyachi. My, uh, in my personal coaching, he was a personal coaching client of mine for a number of years. Matt, uh, Dr. Max Biochi, Biochi, excuse me, it's B-O-A-K-E-Y-Y-E. He's a Christian neuroscientist and a scientist with an outstanding mind and with an unusual focus and clarity on his mission in life. He is from Ghana. Now, at the beginning of our coaching sessions in a relationship, uh, Dr. Max was a resident uh, neurosurgeon at Stanford University doing specialization in research neuroplasticity. He's now an associate professor in the Department of Neurology Surgery at the University of Louisville. Now, at the beginning of a coaching client, I asked my clients to write out for me their goals and mission in life. Dr. Max literally blew me away. <laughs> with his responses. I even wrote a tribute to his wonderful view of life and mission. 
I'm sure Bishop will see himself in these declarations, and you'll see inspiration for you, too, no matter who you are or where you are in life. Now, these are actual quotes from Dr. Max from his profile. Listen to this. Dr. Boete says, I'm a man who loves God and is grateful for what the Lord has given me, and I live my life to please God and fulfill my God-given potential. Number two, Dr. Boyachi says, I will succeed abundantly in life and in my chosen field and in my hobbies. How about that? He wants to excel even in his hobbies. Number three, Dr. Max says, I will always endeavor to do my best to figure out what's wrong with my patients and to find the best way to help them and to communicate with them kindly, compassionately, and in a timely fashion. Dr. Max says, Two principles, what I call them, two principles for his psychology of failure. Here is the number one principle. I consider it a failure if I do not give 110% for every patient I encounter. He considers I'm a failure if I don't give my absolute best. Number two, Dr. Max says, failure is welcome. It does not bother me. It is just a means to find one strategy that did not work. Mistakes will occur because I am human. <clears throat> Here's a note that I want you to realize on that note. There was seemingly no solution that he had for caring to patients who could not come to his lab. So Dr. Max created a solution, the portable lab, <laughs> where he could go to them. Thus, his resolve, I will find a way, find a way period. Number five, listen to this, never forget it. Listen to this, number five, never forget it. Dr. Boyachi says, I never, never quit. He says, I never, never quit. Number six, he says, I'm extremely creative and resourceful and a breakthrough thinker. He says, I'm a breakthrough thinker and I will make some original discoveries in medicine. Number seven, Listen to this. Now, this is a neuroscientist, a man who is highly uh, involved and highly intelligent, and yet he's a believer in God. Listen to number seven. He said, there are many self-help approaches out there, but I need only one. <laughs> Close walk with God. Hallelujah. Close walk with God. God, just as David did and imparted to his son Solomon, is all I'll ever need. <clears throat> Dr. Max says, when facing last, when facing a difficult, intractable circumstance, task, or situation, I ask myself. He asked himself seven questions. He says, have I prayed about it? Have I developed the right perspective? Number three, have I given 110%? Have I given up? Have I used my breakthrough strategy? Have I checked out my negative attitudes? Have I sought and trusted, trusted mentorship? Have I developed a powerful network? Wow. That's all I can say is, wow. Let's see that kind of focus. I say let's all try that kind of focus. So, one, prepare for the game. Two, bring your 
A game. Number three, get all in the game. Come on now, jump in with both feet. Many of you have been swimming at a swimming pool that, you know, the pool is cold, and they tell you, you don't just first put your foot down, and then you put a little bit of your leg. No, they tell you, just jump on in. That's how you want to do it. Jump on in. Look, when you've got something to do for God, give it total commitment. Give it total commitment. Total commitment to God. Total commitment to self. Total commitment to family. Total commitment to self, to church. And yes, total commitment to community. Bishop Blake gave us a very powerful coaching theme in 2015. Some of you may remember it. Christ's extreme sacrifice calls for our extreme Commitment. That was from 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. Some scriptures tell us about striving for mastery. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 and 27. Here are some different translations. King James says, every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. The New Revised Standard Version says, athletes exercise self-control in all things. The NIV says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Verse 27 in the New King James says, but I discipline my body. Uh-oh, uh-oh, I'm sorry. I, don't, I, don't, I won't get personal about disciplining the body. I know we're at the beginning of the year and we made some resolutions, so I haven't made some myself, so I better jump over that. But it says, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Then again, it says in the New Living Translation, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Bishop Blake, as you know, has been all in to West Angeles and the work of the Lord while still loving his family and maintaining being a husband, a father, and a grandfather. You will never question his full commitment. Here is a powerful key principle that will bring you absolutely success. I want you to know I've got this principle. I've discovered. I've been working with it for years. Here's a principle that will guarantee you success. Pursue everything with relentless passion and commitment. With relentless passion and commitment. Be diligent. Pursue, passionately pursue, pursue God, pursue good, pursue godly goals, pursue the great. Here's a quotable quote. I call it, I call these my KH quotable quotes. You know, people talk about, oh, well, what are the keys to success? And then one book has the 10 keys to success. Another has 17. Another one may have 101. Hey, I've narrowed it down for all of y'all who want to be successful. There is only one key to success. You say, well, how can you, brother... I'm telling you, there's only one key to success. It's passionate pursuit with unwavering commitment. Passionate pursuit with unwavering persistence. Don't waver, you'll always be successful. Proverbs 22, 29 says, See thou as a man diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean. That is mean, obscure people of low level. 2 Timothy 2, 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. The Greek word there means be diligent. And NIV says, do your best. 1 Timothy 4, 15. I use this as a scripture that I put in my own life. And I often say, Ken, you got to do this. It says, do diligent, be diligent 
in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Devote yourself to them. Be absorbed in them. Some translations say immerse yourself into them. So what do you do? Look, prepare for the game. Bring your A game and then get all in. That is passionately pursue. Now, here's the last one. Still important, but the last one. Finish the game. Sorry to yell at you. Finish the game. Win the game. Finishing is the winning. Winning is the finishing. Eric M., I'll call him, an Olympic swimmer. Let me give you his full name. Eric Busamani. Eric Busanami. He was born back in 1978. He's an Ecuadorian swimmer. Okay? Ecuadorian Guinea. Nicknamed Eric the Eel by the media. He won brief international fame at the 2000 Summer Olympics for a extremely unlikely victory. When Eric left Ecuadorian New Guinea, he traveled to Australia to train. Now listen to this. He's going for the Olympics for his country. He had never seen an Olympic-sized pool 12 months out from the Games. He barely had been able to swim. He learned how to swim eight months. Yeah, eight months, yes. Eight months prior to the Olympics. Eric Eel, the man who failed so gloriously at the 100 meters freestyle in front of 17,500 screaming fans in Sydney Olympic Park Aqueduct in, uh, excuse me, Aquatic Center. He became a global sensation. We say, how'd he do that? He swam almost two minutes in his swimming meet. That was more than double the Olympic record of the time, which was 48.3 seconds set by the gold medalist. You see, you should see this YouTube. You should see the YouTube video to really get it. A great example of courage and tenacity. Look, just put in Eric M. Olympics. He's the only swimmer of that heat because both the competitors were disqualified. So he was the only one there. They went, and he went swimming. And he has the slowest time ever. But he kept swimming. He had trouble finishing the race. But he won his heat after both of the competitors were disqualified. You say, well, that's not a big deal. No, you're missing the point. He showed up. He finished the race. If you see that video, you'll see him. He's swimming. He's swimming. He can barely move his legs. Now, y'all know a little bit about swimming, that you need to move your legs. He could not move his legs. He was pulling only with his arms. But you see the point? He said, I'm going to stay in the game. I'm going to stay in the game. I'm going to finish. And now the 100 meters is only two laps of the pool. But you know what? When I watched this, I wiped tears from my eyes as I watched this modern act of heroism again yesterday when I saw it. Now, you may not be crying like me because, you know, I cry tears watching <laughs> Undercover Boss give rewards to hardworking employees. So I cry when Lassie couldn't make it home. But you may not cry like me, but you will be inspired to do your very best at all times. Do your very best at all times. Now, 20 years later, Eric is still lives in Equatorial Guinea. 
capital city, Malambo. He has four sons and works for a petroleum company. He spends up to 30 hours a week training aspiring Olympic swimmers as the country's national swimming coach. You see 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Are you finishing your race that God has given you? I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but all those who love his appearing. You know, come on now. You got to finish the race. You know, Bishop Blake has some things in his sermon as I'm closing down in his sermons and talks. He's inspired us in many of his, but you know, the most famous one now to me is breaking nets and sinking boats. It's the story of Peter's huge catch of fish where Jesus told them, launch out into the deep. Bishop goes on to say, God has a net-breaking, boat-sinking blessing for you. God has a net-breaking, boat-sinking blessing for you. Listen to the script. I'll read the script to you from a piece of that sermon. It does not seem logical, he says, but God, but Jesus spoke to those tired and discouraged fishermen. And he speaks to everyone in this room today who is tired and who has, is discouraged. He said, listen now, listen, try again. He says, look at your neighbor and say, try again. I say, look at yourself if it's only you and say, I'll try again. He says, I know you tried before, but try again. Try something new. Do something different. Do even the same thing, but try again. Don't stop. Don't stop until you succeed. Don't stop until you get the victory. Don't until you get where you're trying to get to. I know you're tired. Hallelujah. I know you've made effort, but I say to you, make up your mind that you're not going to quit, that you're not going to stop until you get going, until you get going and get the blessing God has for you. Hallelujah. Don't you stop. Don't you give up. Keep on digging. Keep on working. Launch out into the deep. Don't stop until you succeed. Don't stop until you succeed. Ha! Launch out into the deep. Come on, I know that you can do it. Bishop Charles Edward Blake taught us staff members to pursue an aggressive ministry style. Before the close of West Angeles Church Director's Meeting one year, Back in December of 2011, Bishop had a closing remarks at that time at the meeting where he pushed staff hard in a certain way. Now, I've been known to kind of like to codify what Bishop said, so I began to write down what he began to say on that day. He said, think entrepreneurially and stated that West Angeles Church is to have an aggressive ministry style, an aggressive ministry style. He remarked that the best organizations and businesses like Apple Inc. are, are in competition with themselves and always innovating and staying ahead of their competitors. They are always moving and innovating as if they're not in first place. He said West Angeles ministry and organization should have an Apple mentality. We are to stay aggressive in ministry style. Wow. 
what a fantastic thing. I think that I can do a lot. I think that we can do a lot if we take that approach. If we take that approach in our personal lives and in every area of our lives. The scripture comes to mind in Romans 12, 11. It's interesting to look at these translations. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, serving the Lord. This word slothful means to be slow, to be idle, to be destitute of a promptness of mind, to drag one's feet. He also tells us your dream must be so big. Mm-mm-mm. Your dream must be so big that it requires a miracle to give God the glory. In talking about Pan-African strategy in April of 2008 in Memphis, he said it's time to impact the nations. You may feel it's too late, but it's never, never too late. Excuses. Too late? Too little resources? God starts when there's not enough. We must change or perish as a people. The theme in 2008, the Kojic was the Church of God in Christ marching into the future with resurrection power. I'd like to close with uh, an interesting, what I think is a good poem here from Bob Harrison, a Christian motivational speaker, as I talk about launching out into the deep. Launching out into the deep. I want you to listen to this uh, small little uh, poem. In the midst of your disappointment and hurt, your dreams have died and you've cried and cried and you're tempted to settle down and live a life of lack. But there's a voice inside screaming out to you, please, you've got to go back. Get up. Face the sky and say, I'm coming back again to try. When some say, oh, it's too soon. And others say, oh, it's too late. You say, sorry, I can't listen. I just can't wait. And when they say, don't try, the waters are too rough. You say, I must go. I will not live a life of just enough. When they say, you'll try and fail, say, set aside, I'm setting sail. And when they say, this is just a big leap, you say, launch the boat. Hallelujah, I'm going for the deep. I'm going for the deep. Is that where you are going today? Go for the deep. Do God's best. Bishop, you have told us as a people that we are God-built. We are God tough. We are God empowered. That is, we hold and get things from God. God built, God built us as a masterpiece. That is, built us, and that is you as a craft by God. I'm God built. Look at yourself. <laughs> Look at yourself on your phone or whatever and say, I'm God built. Next, I'm God tough. That is, I'm resilient. You have made us realize, Bishop, that we are God tough. The, the Proverbs 24, 16 says, as just a man falleth seven times and riseth again. Aha, a just man falleth seven times and rises up again. 
That's me. That's you. The stressors come, but we've got it. Hebrews 13.6 is quoting from Psalm 118, verse 6, from the tree of life. So with this confidence we say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What will man do with me? Bishop, you march with Dr. Martin Luther King with no idea of what would happen to you, what would happen to your future. You are God tough. You are God tough because in your ministry, you've taught us to be God tough. We are tough. We are tough because you are tough. And when you are tough, person of God, you are irrepressible. In God, you are God tough. You are irrepressible. The devil, the world's crazy systems, not even our enemies can hold us down because you are God tough. You are irrepressible. You are inextinguishable. You are unconquerable. You are unquenchable. You are unstoppable. You are indomitable. That means impossible to subdue or defeat. You're God tough. You're unshakable. And because of the resurrection of Christ, you are strong. You are immovable. You're always abounding and rebounding. Even death itself cannot defeat you. We're God built we're God tough, we're God empowered. That is, in Acts 1.8, it says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Let me tell you, this is what we, this is what Bishop Blake and Lady May give to us. That is, we are God built. We are God's final, we are God's final great peace. You are God tough. That is your God resilient. You bounce back. You jump back into place again. And then you are God empowered. The dunamis, the miracle working power of God in your life. Therefore, out of this, go out and from this, do great exploits. Thank you, Bishop, for teaching us about the Tower of Babel where it says, and you tell us, no, nothing is impossible with unity of human purpose empowered by God. Nothing, will, you said, will be inaccessible to you in Genesis 11.6 by height or fornic, uh, fortification. Nothing will be enclosed from you. Nothing will be held from you. You said in 2013, I thank God for you saying this, act as if no God goal will be withheld from you and every goal attained. Work like an ant this year. Proverbs 6, 6, diligence, focus, and courage. Enlarge our territory. Thank God that we can do this. And we put a slight twist on your most notable, on the most notable prophetic declaration. Here, I want you to say to yourself out there in the congregation, those of you who are listening, those of you who are watching, I want you to say, I see me in the future, <laughs> and I look much better than I look right now. And what's Angeles as a congregation, we can say, I see us in the future, and we look much better than we do right now. And all of you, anywhere in the world as the people of God, you can say, I see as the people of God, we will do much better. I can see my family, my career and the spiritual power of God in the future. Take the limits off God. You've told us, take the limits off God. And this we will do, 
even as you have done, because you told us, and we did, prepare for the game. We bring our A game. We're all in the game, and we'll finish the game, and ultimately, we'll win the game. Indeed, you have proven a human with a God dream is unstoppable. Bishop and Lady May, congratulations on 53. You're both still in the game. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank God for this. Hope you've gotten something that will carry you on, you the people of God, as you go forward in God. I want you to stay in the game. Don't give up. Many people, because of the circumstances in our times, have decided to just give up. I've been praying for so many who have hit so many difficulties, so many challenges during this time. My wife and I pray every night for them, looking for God to help, to heal, to comfort. And God will do just that for you. But I'd like to give you an invitation to have God as your coach, <laughs> your savior from sin and selfishness. Your Savior to give you a life, not a regular life, but eternal life in Him. Today, if you do not know Him in a very personal way, not just, oh, I read about Him in a book, or I heard the Bible, or I saw a movie about Him, but have you met Him personally? Does He speak to you in the things you do? Ah, now is your time. You can accept, that is, you can receive the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, like right now, <laughs> right where you are. Maybe you are not being coached by God. You're, you're doing your own thing. You're trying to figure all this thing out, and you're listening to this news report and that news report. You listen to this political report and that political report. You're getting pretty mixed up about now. But there's one thing that's sure in this life. And that is God and his Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you want to accept the Lord, or maybe you have come to the Lord at some time in the past, but, you know, right now you say, well, I, I, I don't know. I don't really want. No, you need God right now. The very fact that you're listening to me, that you're tuned in, was not an accident. It was God who touched you because he wants you to come back to him. Let's pray. I want you to bow your head. I want you to repeat after me if you don't know the Lord. Lord Jesus, I come to you as one who needs you for salvation. Lord, I've tried all kinds of things. But Lord, I'm coming to you as my Savior and my Lord. Lord, I, I, I don't want to give up in life. I don't want to give up. And Lord, I just want you to be my Savior. Accept me now, Lord. You said I can come just as I am. Accept me now, Lord, and be my Savior from now through eternity. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Thank God. Amen. We believe that if you came to God, God says, he who comes to me, I will in no way push them out of the way. I will receive them. 
because God wants you in the game and he wants you to finish well. God bless you and I love you.